All right. If you have a Bible, meet me in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. But uh, as we get started, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever used the phrase, life is complicated? You ever use the phrase, life is complicated? If I was to ask you to raise your hand, which I won't, would you be able to say that there is at least a portion of your life that is complicated? Of course, right? Life is complex in itself. And, and we really throw that phrase around about a lot. Just off the top of my head, just a couple, we would say my relationship status is... Some of you are lying. I know some of you, your relationship status is complicated. My work-life balance is complicated. My in-laws are, come on, mine are in the room today, complicated. We could get more serious though, right? And we could say living with depression is complicated, We could say finding a job in this economy is complicated. We we could go on and on and on, but I think there's also some things that we make complicated that don't need to be complicated. I don't think it would come as any surprise in, in thinking of things that way that it actually, in reality, we tend to make prayer complicated. We really do. And and I want to end our 21 days of prayer kind of in less of me preaching at you and more of me uh, giving you just some thoughts as we wrap this up. And then we're going to we're going to wrap it up in a time of communion and prayer, because ultimately prayer is being in the presence of the father. That's that's really where we want to be when we pray. We want to be in the presence of God. And so it won't come as a surprise that we have complicated that. Some of that, though, is born out of your baggage, right? Every one of us bring a certain level of baggage to the table. It might be born out of your relationship to Scripture. You probably find yourself in one of three places today. First, uh, maybe you have grown up in this, and by this I mean the church of any uh, way, shape, or form, but you've grown up in religion, and so all of this is very common to you. You might be in that place. Maybe you're in the second place, uh, and you would say that you don't actually believe that this is God's Word. Maybe you stumbled in here today for some reason, or you're watching online, or you find this on YouTube or whatever the case may be, but you might say, I don't, I don't even believe that this is God's word. It might be a, a good book. It might be any number of things, but at the end of the day, uh, you're a skeptic and that's fine. But finally, maybe you're new to this and I know a handful of you are new to Christianity or new to following Jesus. And so you uh, don't have the same background as some of us uh, and you're actually excited about this, but you don't have all the knowledge that the rest of us have. And so you, you could be in any level of any one of those things, but if, if you are in any one of those categories or a different one, at the end of the day, you're bringing something to the table. 
you're, you're bringing some kind of, and I'm going to call it baggage, to the table when it comes to prayer. Because the Bible is an ancient book, right? That has been relevant, though, for thousands of years. And with unprecedented accuracy. And so my goal is not to like unpack all that, but, but just to acknowledge that when you come and you step into this place and we're at the end of a 21 days of prayer, I just want you to know we put a lot, all of our eggs in that basket. But I want to acknowledge that if you're not in that place, uh, we are. We're in the place where when it comes to prayer, when it comes to being with God, we, we have all of our eggs in that basket, right? Because the center of our Christianity is not about what you and I can do. It's about what God has already done. And so super important because when we come to Matthew chapter six, where we're going to be, there's also a context happening there. And it's important for us as we mix our context with their context just to recognize that, that we're in different places. What is, we said the past few weeks, what is so common to you and I would have been flabbergasting to the average Jew. That, that we could come into the presence of God within the altar of God would be absolutely mind-blowing. And so it's not surprising when we come to the most familiar teaching on prayer... In the entire Bible, really the most familiar teaching in the world in history on prayer, the Lord's Prayer, in all of religion, really for all of time, it's not surprising then that for many of us, we can blow through this or we can do a 21 days of prayer and really blow through it, not ever having been with. God. Because if it's common for you like it is, like it has been in my life, we can blow right through that and either A, not participate or participate because we know Mitch is going to talk about it on Sunday. And so it's not surprising then that when we come to the Lord's Prayer, Luke records for us this detail that the disciples, knowing that they were in the presence of the divine, they were with Jesus face to face, would come to him in Luke chapter 11 and ask him this question, Lord, can you teach us to pray? But we hear that and we're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> but put yourself in their shoes, the things they were experiencing, the context in which they lived, the occupations that they had Left And the place that they find themselves in is standing with Jesus on a mountainside in Matthew 6. In the midst of maybe his greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, can you teach us to pray? Before we read Jesus' answer to that question and really equip ourselves to pray... I want to point out the context of where we are in the story. Where are we in the Sermon on the Mount? Because, again, for you and I, when prayer is so common, we can forget that this was set into a real-life Christianity, that Jesus was calling people who were present in front of him, just like you are me, 
to a different way of life. It was not just the divine encounter. It was a divine encounter that would lead to a different kind of life. So think about this. Jesus is preaching this most famous sermon and the crowds are coming and have come. And how he instructs us to pray falls between these points in the sermon. Just think about this. Love your enemies. None of us are good at that. Love your enemies. Be generous to the less fortunate. I'm simplifying, right? These are longer, but love your enemies. Be generous to those less fortunate than you. Fast. When you fast, when you're in self-denial, do that in secret. Like take a shower and make yourself look presentable. Don't look miserable. But the assumption is that we are in some form of self-denial, right? Some sort of self-control because we tell our kids, right? Like that's, that's good for you. <laughs> and then he says, and lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not here on earth. So, just just think about that. He, he's going to teach us to pray within the context of very real callings to a different kind of life. It's very important because prayer is not just disconnected from the rest of your life. Prayer is being with God. It's, it's talking with the Lord. It's not just talking at God. It's listening to God. Right? And so... You you have to have that biblical context, but then I also want to suggest that you take into account your own context, right? So Jesus is preaching in a context, and we're in a context, and and as we think this through, I want to invite you to consider at the end of this 21 days of prayer, the maturity of your own prayer life, not as a condemnation, but really as a diagnostic of where you are and where you need to go and where God's inviting you to go and so we all live in a certain place and so when you couple Jesus lifestyle with the rhythm of his prayer right we we talked last week that the crowds came and Jesus took the time to go away and be in silence and solitude and rest and so he's making that a rhythm in his life and so what we have here is this collision of grace and truth And I love the way A.J. Sherrill puts in his book called Being with God. He gives us a really helpful illustration of four prepositions that will help us think through our prayer life and where we're at. Four simple prepositions. I'm not going to put these on the screen because I just want you to hear them. All right? At, to, for, and with. Just think about that. If you want to write them down, you can write them down. At, to, for, and with the diagnostic of your prayer life four simple words that'll unlock your life with God so he goes on to explain that when we're children we learn to pray at God launching simple phrases into the universe simply believing that God's going to hear them right now I was thinking about that like when my when my little 5-year-old girl prays like it's amazing she just lives with this assumption God wants to hear my prayer. He loves to hear my prayer. I can pray about anything I want, and I can just launch those babies into the universe, and God is going to hear them and answer them. 
And there's a beautiful aspect of that, right? Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, right? And so that's an integral part of our maturity in prayer. The faith of a child that would just launch those things into the universe, believing that God is there and that he will answer. Important. But as we mature, we begin to see God less as a static entity and more of a dynamic being. And so our prayers become this cosmic conversation, right? Where we start to believe that God is hearing them and that the things we say do matter and that he might not care if the Buccaneers win today as much as Mitch cares if the Buccaneers win today, right? And so we stop maybe praying about the Buccaneers winning, uh, but I might ask anyway, uh, but about them winning and we start to pray uh, for our neighbor, right? And, And things like this, but we're still praying what? To God. We've gone from at to to. We're praying at God and we're going to pray to God uh, more as an actual dynamic being. But then as we grow in our faith, we start to listen for God. We start to encounter the scriptures in our prayer. We start to encounter the voice of other Christians and believers and pastors and the people in our life that are called into our life by God to speak into our life. And we recognize as we mature the voice of God in those places. And that is part of our prayer. And so we we begin to mature into listening for God. So we've gone at two and four. But where I think what AJ shares that is so powerful is that for so many of us, that's where we stop. And we never get past it to the place where we are with God. That we get to that place that Jesus describes of abiding in him and he in us. And therefore, in that place, we bear much fruit. We actually can be with God, but as he points out in his book, it requires of us to be in that place of silence that so many of us despise being. And I don't want to unpack that because I've been, I feel like I've been unpacking that for six months with you, so I'm not going to spend my time there, but I do want to say that we, we again, as I've been saying, there are no shortcuts to this. Right. We we have to put the practices and disciplines and rhythms in our life that will bring us not just into the presence of God, but in a place where we are actually with God. And so in our 21 day uh, prayer journal, we've been encouraging you to sit in silence for three minutes. And I would love to ask every one of you, how's that going? Three minutes is an eternity if you don't do silence and solitude. Then you can be like, Jerome, in three minutes is just not enough, man. Like, you need way more time. And I, I respect that about Jerome. I love you, man. And that's why he wrote the journal. Can I get an amen in church? <laughs> I'm learning from him. But we have to do the things that are set in front of us to experience being with God. So terribly long introduction to get to this question. What's the framework that Jesus offers us in Matthew 6 on how we ought to pray? And I hope, my hope is that from this familiar passage, you'll get a fresh pattern for prayer in your life today 
And we're really just making a beeline to the communion table so that we can be, what, with God. So here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. It'll be on the screen for you. Very familiar, but Jesus, the mouth of God, the Son of God, says in verse 9, Pray then like this. Listen, anytime Jesus himself says you ought to do something like this, come on, you ought to do it like that, right? But for some reason, we don't. We don't. We're stubborn and sinful people, aren't we? Or we just get busy and we, we do our own thing, or God forbid, we, we think we have, a, a, have figured out a better way than the one that Jesus gave us. 2,000 years ago. What does C.S. Lewis call that? It's chronological snobbery. But listen to this. Just let that soak into your soul. God, specifically looking people in the eye, says, pray then like this. So let's engage with it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he'll go on and talk about forgiveness and things, but that's the prayer. That's the prayer. And, and, and maybe you're tempted like me to think like that's it. That's all there is? Pray then like this. I want to give you a pattern. We're going to put a graphic up uh, on the screen, and I want you to see this. And it's, it's made in the sign of the cross. right? If, you, if, if you've been religious for any time in your life, or maybe you have friends who are Catholic or Lutheran or Presbyterian or you know one of the more liturgical frameworks, every now and then you'll see them go like this, right? Do you ever wonder what that was all about? There's actually a meaning to that, right? Because there's a pattern here in the Lord's Prayer of how you ought to pray. So throw that graphic up there for me, Jordan, because where it starts with is upward, right? We go up first. You cannot move to the other places without going up. If you do not recover the transcendence of God, his imminence will make no difference to you. He'll just be a cosmic genie that's supposed to do what you want him to do. When in reality, he's after a relationship with you. So upward, 6, 9, right? says, pray them like this, our Father. And I recognize that not every one of you has had a good interaction with an earthly father. And so you don't know what that looks like, perhaps. But I want you to know that there is a perfect father who, if you will go upward, he will then what? He'll come downward. So important because look at verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is poetic and that is beautiful, but it is the confession that you are God. It's the creature creator confession, hence the sweatshirt. Shout out to V3. It's the creature creator confession, right? That you are God. And I am not, and therefore I don't actually know what is best. But listen, that is not the reality of our culture. 
We have plans and we have places to be and we have places to go and we have things to do and we have it all together. And so when something like a pandemic happens and all control is ripped out of your hands or you have a loss in your family or you go through sickness or you whatever you fill in the blank, you lose your job, whatever the case is, when control is taken, how do you respond? If we've been tightly holding on to control of our life and we're not with God, that is a scary place to be because we'll begin to turn to the things that we've always turned to instead of going upward and allowing him to come downward. But if we will, and listen, again, not condemnation, diagnostic, right? Because the Bible says that, behold, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock He's standing at the door and he's knocking. And he says, if you'll just open that door, I'll come in with you. I'll dine with you and you with me. And he, he's, he's there. So upward, downward. But then inward. Look at verse 11 and 12. Give us today our daily bread. I mean, I'm asking for a lot more than my daily bread. Right? Isn't there something simplistic of just being with God? Not that you shouldn't plan. There's a whole book for that, right? Proverbs is all about wisdom. You need to do that. You should budget. You should do all the things. But in your relationship with God, there is a confession that as God moves inward in your life and begins to change you into the image of his son, there is, there is a confession, there's a realization at his invitation to recognize that his ways are higher than our ways, past finding out. And so it goes inward, and it moves then from his forgiveness, right? Forgive us, as it then begins to go outward, right? So it's in the sign of the cross, it's upward, and then it goes in. And then it goes down and then it goes in. As he begins to change you, it begins to go out. You begin to look with Jesus at the world. And that's when you say, as we also have forgiven our debtors, right? Love your enemies. It's so simple and yet so profound, right? And, and we would call this a worship-based prayer pattern. A worship-based prayer pattern. That, that as you come to him, that you're actually in worship and communion with him. And so what we want to do to end our 21 days of prayer is to go to the communion table. So on your seat somewhere uh, near you, if you didn't have one on your seat, is some elements. COVID-friendly, of course, uh, for this.